Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Congressman Joe Courtney. Congressman, welcome. How are you, my friend? All Good right. to see you. Good to see you, Peter. It's been a while. It has, you know, and it's nice to be back in the studio. I know. Last year we did this, you and I were virtual, and it wasn't as much fun. No, and also you've, I think, got the nicest <laughs> studio of any community well, uh, thank you. cable show in the state. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? So, um, you know, we're just wrapping up a two-week stint at home, uh, yep. which has been busy. You know, been out, um, you know, visiting a lot of different groups, talking about um, the rescue plan uh, package that passed last March sure. and how the funds are, are, are getting deployed. Uh, but also, obviously, there's a lot going on with the pending infrastructure bill and also yep. the Build Back Better. Uh, but on Friday, you know, was the big excitement in yeah. eastern Connecticut, which uh, for the second time, in the first 268 days of the Biden administration, the president came to Eastern Connecticut right. and, um, and was up at UConn to rededicate the Dodd Center, uh, which is now, you know, has been sort of an archival um, institute up there for, you know, uh, Thomas Dodd's papers, but also other uh, political leaders. And, uh, but now they're, they're sort of pivoting to make it an actually much more of an educational institution very focused on human rights, okay. which was something that, you know, Chris, when he was uh, in the U.S. Senate on the Foreign Relations Committee, was a big focus right. of his work there. So, um, you know, President Biden uh, flew up to help rededicate um, the, the center and, okay. you know, obviously seeing the Marine One helicopter fly over the campus and, uh, you know, the press corps following mm -hmm. on the V-22 um, planes there, you know, I, I think the students actually were pretty excited, but the Absolutely. but the, the event itself was, was really, um, you know, I think very important at a time like this where, uh, as the president says, you know, we're really sort of in a you know, inflection point where it's sort of the forces of autocracy right. and the forces of democracy and uh, having a human rights center that really is looking at, you know, um, issues uh, home and abroad, you mm -hmm. know, where, um, you know, human rights are at risk, I think is just uh, an incredibly important mission. Um, you know, earlier in the day, we stopped at a daycare center in Hartford to talk about the Build Back Better uh, package, yeah. which, um, you know, again, is t addressing, I think, a number of sort of weaknesses in our country that COVID exposed and daycare um, services, uh, I think, is, if you're looking at different sectors, it was probably as hard hit almost as any other um, type of uh, programs or, you know, nonprofit or for-profit institutions. Probably close to 200,000 daycare centers went out of business uh, during COVID. And, uh, you know, I think people are starting to realize that, you know, daycare is not sort of just a um, nice thing to have. I mean, it's almost essential for particularly younger working families to be able to, you know, go to work every day. And when the president came in, the, the woman who runs the uh, program, they were, <clears throat> were able to stay open. But pre-COVID, they probably had 70 slots for kids. And we're talking, you know, really infant and toddler all the way up to preschool. And... Um, today, they, they only have 20 going there. Wow. So, um, but, but as she was quick to point out, it's not because the demand for daycare has gone down. There's a waiting list for people. But when you look at the economics of running a daycare program, uh, basically they're paying staff $13 an hour, mm -hmm. which you can get more at McDonald's right. than you can uh, taking care of, you know, probably I would argue as precious a part of our society, which is uh, our children, particularly at a critical moment in their life. And so, um, 
you know, and they're charging an arm and a leg. I mean, right. you know, the send a kid to daycare now is really almost like higher education Absolutely. for families. So Biden's plan, the Build Back Better plan, would significantly boost through the child care block grant that flows into the states from Washington. Okay. Um, and they would be able to boost wages uh, and also tied to quality standards. I mean, so that we're really talking about quality uh, daycare and also reduce the out-of-pocket expense for families to 7% of income, which, uh, you know, again, if you run the numbers in terms of what that means to families, in terms of being able to find, you know, an affordable place for their kids to be safe, um, you know, th this is in many respects the most, one of the most important parts of the president's package. And um, I wish more people were watching it because it really laid out very clearly the problem that we have right now, which is that there's just not um, daycare available, and that um, you know, if, if we don't do something about putting uh, people who who are dealing with early childhood uh, education on somewhat on par mm -hmm. with other ends of the educational system, um, you know, the system is just going to like completely stall out, and, and we can't afford that. Um, you know, you look at the number of job openings that exist in the economy right now and yeah. the fact that we still have people who are not returning to the workforce, the lack of daycare is one of the biggest obstacles that families are, are facing. So it was, it was a really great visit. The president, it's pretty funny, you were asking, you know, off camera, you know, yeah. is he is a nice guy? I mean, he, he gets done with his presentation and... Um, and he's like, you know what, I like kids more than all of you. I'm going to go out and play with them on the playground. Oh, nice. so he's, nice. he's down on his knees. Oh, and, cool. and the kids were, you know, they were very cute. They were giving him hugs yeah. and, you know, um, you know, asking, you know, what's your name, yeah. you know, and all this stuff. So what's it, it like was, being president? Yeah, right. So, um, but, it, it, but I thought it was, again, that was also a very important stop. So anyway, I mean, the, the Congress, though, I mean, we got uh, sworn back in in yep. January. Right. Uh, I am, again, chairman of the Sea Power okay. Projection Forces Subcommittee, which right. is the Navy Oversight Panel. Yep. Uh, again, we, I think I talked about this the last time I was on the show, but um, no one from Connecticut has held that, a position That's of right. Navy Oversight since 1873. Right. So it's um, obviously a very, um, you know, busy time in terms of electric boat recapitalizing Absolutely. the uh, submarine programs, and um, that's continuing. Again, what we're seeing, though, is that um, they were having no problem with new hires uh, pre-COVID. Right now, I check every day in right. terms of the job openings over there. There's 494 positions open uh, at Electric Boat, which is a, that's a big number, right. comparatively speaking, and um, you know, part of it is because the job training programs, because of COVID, had to kind of, you know, go to sleep for a mm -hmm. while, uh, and they're coming back up. So, um, you know, trying to address the skills gap is another, you know, sort of issue that, again, COVID really um, kind of held us back there for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but frankly, it's also a daycare issue. And I've talked to the CEO at, at Electric Boat who, uh, you know, they're really, you know, focusing on the millennial population, the Gen X and Gen Zers who, you know, these are, um, people who are raising families. And so, uh, you know, boosting that um, access to childcare is, is important for, you know, a company like Electric Boat, just like it is for other sectors. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the 2022 NDAA. Yep. So every year we pass what's called the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. And um, that's sort of like the comprehensive bill for um, the Pentagon and, um, you know, military programs in general. So things like pay raises are included in there. That's something that the 
10,000 sailors over the, you know, the sub-base, yep. watch like a hawk. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, um, and also, frankly, other um, sort of quality of life issues in terms of Navy housing. They have a child development center uh, right there in Groton. It's a great program, by the way. And, um, uh, and also, obviously, the shipbuilding program is right. something that um, is included there. So, as I said, the, the demand signal from the Navy for a, you know, the Virginia-class submarines that are built there, as well as the new Columbia-class, uh, which is the, the bigger subs, yeah. um, is very strong, and, and that work is going to continue. If anyone drives up to Groton and goes uh, right on the main drag there at Past EB, you can see the new building that's going up there. It's an $800 million um, uh, structure wow. that they're going to be doing the uh, Columbia uh, final modular construction. It's, it's really, uh, it's the biggest uh, building under construction in Connecticut, hands down. There's no question about it. But what's interesting is yeah. obviously there was a big announcement on September 15th when um, the U.S., Australia, and the United Kingdom yep. agreed to a new technology sharing arrangement for naval nuclear propulsion. Sure. Uh, again, Australia has a, a submarine force. It's small. I've, I've been there and seen their subs. They're oh, the okay. old diesel electrics, which you know go back to World War II days. Right. And, um, and this is now going to allow the U.S. to help them with their new uh, submarine fleet because they're going to go from diesel electric to nuclear propulsion. And um, you know, we come from the part of the world that is invented <laughs> invented that. So it's it's um, and you know, Australia is a great ally, and um, you know, all three countries I think are very excited about this new um, agreement. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Now, what about the what happened with the stimulus package? So again, we, the uh, rescue plan which passed um, last March, yep. the president signed it into law. Uh, again, the, the stimulus checks you know, flowed from that, um, but there's obviously been other um, funding that is out there to, again, try and help out with sort of critical COVID-impacted um, services. Um, towns and cities and school districts yeah. uh, all received a very healthy um, amount of money to help them deal with um, expenses that are sort of related to COVID. So the school districts in particular um, who um, now are in person, mm -hmm. um, you know, but they had to make accommodations to make the, the schools safe. And, right. and um, you know, a lot of the school districts, you know, we've been in touch with the school superintendents have been uh, deploying that money and, you know, dealing with issues about, um, learning loss that mm -hmm. occurred during COVID because a lot of the kids who had to um, connect by virtual, uh, it frankly didn't work very well right. and kids, you know, backslid. So, you know, hiring, you know, extra teaching staff, um, you know, particularly for special education kids, you know, that's, this money is critical in terms of trying to get people sort of uh, back on track in terms of their, um, you know, their learning proficiency. Uh, the school, the towns are uh, also kind of grappling, you know, trying to figure out what's the best use of that money. Right. I mean, the good news is they don't have, they have until 2024 right. to spend that money. Um, I'm sitting here in the studio with Julia McGrath, who's mm -hmm. a staffer who's been helping the towns uh, understand the rules from the U.S. Treasury Department. Okay. And um, so, for example, in New London, they're using it to fill three police positions okay. um, because, again, the, you know, emergency responders, had a, a lot of um, overtime and stress on, on their work right. during COVID. Um, you know, same with, with uh, other public safety uh, programs that are out there. They're also, um, you know, trying to upgrade uh, some of the heating and ventilating 
systems in some of the town halls, senior centers, uh, places like that, because you know we're, we're talking about an airborne pathogen, you know, which uh, COVID was, um, and and also a lot of recreational programs trying to again try and you know promote healthy outdoor activity, uh, you know, which. Um, you know, again, I think it's kind of this new normal that we're dealing with here. Um, so it's really been kind of fun, you know, working with the towns in terms of just uh, the different um, ideas that they've brought to the table. Um, and again, our office gets a lot of calls and Julia helps to try and walk them through, you know, the latest treasury uh, rules. Anyone who's listening, um, you know, has interest, you know, right. certainly we welcome those calls as well. But if you if you really read the local press, you can see the way some of these towns now are starting to, to roll out um, the different ideas uh, for, for this uh, rescue plan money uh, that came through. Rental assistance also was another big part of the rescue plan. Right. Uh, you know, with the CDC no eviction rule that took place throughout COVID, um, which was a safety uh, decision, uh, still kind of begged the question was, well, we'll who pays the bills right. <laughs> for the landlords? Exactly. You know, because uh, they still got to, you know, pay the light bill and a mortgage or whatever. So the rental assistance program, which started uh, in, in March, actually, in Connecticut, um, was pretty clunky when it first came out, and uh, but it's definitely picking up speed. And it's about getting money into, frankly, it's getting money into landlords' pockets. It's, right. it's not money that tenants can keep. This is money that's to help, again, keep um, everybody whole and hopefully reduce the number of evictions uh, as the you know the full economy reopens. Congressman, would you mind sticking around for another segment? Sure. All right, we'll too. be right back. Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Community TV, your neighborhood TV. Publicly funded and a reliable partner for cable companies nationwide. It provides transparent coverage of local and state government, education, and public programming. A digital town green that can be watched anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Watch us on today's high-tech distribution methods. Community TV in Connecticut. Local. Unfiltered. Reliable. And, and yours. yours. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti, sitting here with Congressman Joe Courtney. Congressman, welcome back. Good to be here. Good, thanks for sticking around, my friend. Yeah. So, Congressman, before the break, we were talking about the towns who were able to get money. Right. So I was wondering, maybe we can open this segment talking about some of the local towns and how much money they actually received. Sure. So, um, you know, again, we've got the full... Uh, layout right. um, of the town by town numbers for the 63 towns that uh, are in Eastern Connecticut second district. Right. Um, and um, so again, just to pick a couple in your viewership area here, sure. uh, Clinton, where you hail from, yep. right? Um, so they um, received uh, $3.8 million, which again is going to be um, sent out in two checks. Okay. You know, the, one, the first check has already been submitted, and that's you know half of it. So 3.8 is. Uh, I'll let you do the math. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, um, and then the second, uh, so that so that's 3.8. So uh, if you look at uh, Old Saybrook, 
Uh, it's 2.9. Okay. Westbrook, uh, it's 2 million. Again, some of the larger communities who, um, again, qualify for under the formula because of the poverty level in the in the community there, it's it's actually quite sizable. So, um, New London um, is getting 26 million dollars. Yeah, and uh, and so, uh, but now the towns also, as I mentioned on the earlier segment, get yeah. education. Yep funding through it, so Clinton um, is going to receive $1.7 okay. for its school budget. Uh, Old Saybrook is uh, 887000 and Westbrook is um, uh, 60, 698000 oh, And wow. again, that's based on what's called the Title I formula, yep. which is um, Title I is part of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act that mm -hmm. Congress created um, back in the 1960s. And it's and again, it's tied to sort of the student family income level and the lower the income the larger um, the, the town's eligibility so again they, this is what they can use to to help you know again have the schools reopen safely now let's talk about the public service protection program yep so um yeah the, the public service loan forgiveness program yes. which is uh so um, way back when i was on your show the first time right. uh, in 2006 when i won by 83 votes um, you know, one of it the was big that long ago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, one of the big issues that we were talking about, and, and it still persists today, is obviously college affordability right. and um, the just you know how unbelievable amount of debt financing that students and families have to use to to pay for college. Right. So we passed in 2007 the College Cost Reduction Act, and one of the components of it was, as your question uh, asked, was on the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. Sure. And what that, what that did is it basically said that if an individual has student loan debt and goes to work for 10 years in a public service uh, occupation, you know, healthcare, teaching, uh, public safety, working for a nonprofit, mm -hmm. like a community television yeah uh, um, and is current with their um, student loan payments after 10 years whatever is the balance at that 10-year period will be completely discharged really? so it's a way of rewarding people who maybe uh, are taking uh, jobs that are somewhat you know lower income than they might get in the private sector sure. um, because you know obviously you want to uh, give people an incentive to, to, to do this important work for our country so um, 10 years went by Right. 2017, first people lined up and said, hey, you know, <laughs> I want my discharge. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, and unfortunately, the prior administration, the Secretary of Education, you may recall, is a woman by the name of Betsy DeVos, yeah. threw every Mickey Mouse roadblock mm -hmm. um, in, in front of people in terms of getting discharged. So, for example, if you were in the military right. and had an old student loan that you, you know, took out before you joined up, right. And if you were uh, in 10 years in the military and your loan was uh, current, any time that you were deployed overseas, because there's an automatic suspension of yep. loan payments, sure. they would not count those months overseas as qualifying payments. Even though, again, the, 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 the law was set up so that as long as you were current with your, your uh, loan, which somebody who was, was doing overseas deployments would be still current. Right. So, um, so anyway, the, the phones were ringing off the hook in, in our office. Um, you know, people who just couldn't believe it. You know, that right. they, and again, they were saying, well, you know, there was another sort of um, roadblock that DeVos threw up, which said that if you used 
what's called an income-based repayment um, sure. uh, you know, formula for what your monthly payment was, that, that those uh, payments would not count towards the 10-year limit. And a lot of people had to use the income-based repayment. Again, it, you did, you're not defaulting on the loan. You're just getting a, like a modified monthly payment when right. you use that. So um, anyway, um, you know, student loan, just, you know, forgiveness was a big issue in the campaign in mm -hmm. 2020. And, um, you know, President Biden, when he, when he ran, said he definitely was going to focus on fixing right. this problem. I mean, really, it was almost like 1% of eligible individuals were, were given discharge under the DeVos years. And, and I mean, it's, I mean, the numbers are, are and, and we got some of those calls in, in our office. So um, just about a week or so ago, the new Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, That's right, who from hails from Meriden, Connecticut, That's right. um, issued a new rule that basically just sort of swept away all of these Mickey Mouse obstacles really? and, and basically said that if you're, if you're current, you know, and, and with your loan after 10 years and, and still have a qualifying job, yep. you know, whether it's a nonprofit or, you know, a cop or teacher or whatever, that, you know, they are going to basically restart the application process to get people's loans discharged. Same thing for the military. Mm -hmm. If somebody was deployed on a submarine out of uh, Groton, yep. you know, and they go off for 90 to 120 day right. deployments there, Absolutely. that time period will be counted towards the 10 year trigger, you know, to get, get to get your loan discharged. Um, you know, I think it's great. First of all, it means that the government's keeping its promise. Absolutely. And, and number two, you know, there's some, you know, there's obviously a big debate about whether, you know, Biden should just do across the board $50,000, you know, uh, loan forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and there's a group that is pushing hard for that. He, as a candidate, Biden never supported that position. Right. He said that he thought if Congress wanted to do it at a lower level, like 10,000 uh, that he would he would you know support that but right. frankly the, the the chances of congress doing that as someone who sits on the education committee right. are slim and none so wow. uh, so for him to just go ahead and at least fix this existing program public service loan forgiveness which i i, I will tell you i mean there might be some people who would object to people getting that help who, who are in teaching or public safety or nonprofit work right. but I think you know the vast majority of, of the country agrees that that's that's fair, you know, to to get to reward people uh, for taking on those those jobs. Um, by the way, if people mm. have questions, yeah. who are listening in, uh, you can call us in, in the Norwich office. Sure. Uh, again, there's going to have to be a, like another sort of application okay. for people to submit who who think they may be eligible it, for the military cohort. That's actually going to be done uh, almost automatically between the Department of Ed and the Department of Defense oh, in cool. terms of just sort of calculating, um, you know, those months yeah. in terms of uh, qualifying payments. And last, last time yeah. you and I were together, we were in the middle of, we were, it was right before, in, right before the election. Yep. <laughs> what a difference an administration makes. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, again, when we had uh, Secretary Cardona come yeah. over for his first uh, hearing and, uh, I mean, it was just awesome yeah. you know, to have somebody he who, uh, nice. oh, he's great. He? You know, I mean, a real, um, you know, I think just impressive story. Uh, he, he's a Port Puerto Rican yep. nationality or heritage and, um, you know, grew up in, in public housing mm -hmm. in, in Meriden. Um, you know, English is a second language learner, but, you know, just completely um, 
all-star student. Um, you know, went to um, tech school okay. for high school, um, and then went to uh, Central Connecticut State University. So, you know, sort of public education, you know, all the way. Um, graduated, got his teaching certificate, went right into a fourth grade classroom. I mean, this guy, you know, he, he's, it's in his blood. Yeah. And um, his parent, it's either his father or his uncle is a police officer. Uh, again, very down to earth guy. And, um, you know, he really like looks you in the eye and answers your question. You know, no, there's no, he's not, he's not, yeah. you know, somebody who's there to, um, you know, if you, if you don't agree, you know, he'll tell you, you right. know, and that's it. And it's not nasty or anything right, like that. Yeah. So anyway, so that's great. And, um, you know, at the Department of Defense, uh, the new Secretary of the Navy who came up to Connecticut for okay. the USS Vermont christening, which was about a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, you know, Cuban refugee, uh, very low income, grew up in Hell's Kitchen, uh, New York, uh, went to the Naval Academy. 22 years as a surface warfare officer, started a small business, and now he's Secretary of the Navy. And um, I mean, he's just, he, I mean, if there's a way we could ever connect, he's just the, the most friendly, smart, uh, down to earth guy. And, um, you know, it's a pleasure dealing Absolutely. with people like that. And, he, and really, he, he does not have a political bone in his body. He wants to engage with Republican members, you know, right. um, on my subcommittee as right. well as the full uh, Armed Services Committee. So. That's really what we quick. and that's what we need. Really quickly, we got about thirty seconds yep. left. What committees are you on? So again, it's uh, Armed Services, okay. Chair of Sea Power, Education and Labor, and uh, on the Higher Ed and Workforce Development Subcommittee. Which, uh, uh, you know, that's that's what Connecticut needs. Absolutely, we need, we need to get people you know skilled up and ready to take on work um, that the country needs. Absolutely. Well, Congressman Courtney, we're about to run out of time, but yeah. I want to thank you for coming down. That's always a pleasure. Hopefully we'll see you again soon, my friend. Okay, Peter. You got it. I'll Thanks, Joe. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> On behalf of Congressman Joe Courtney, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night, and we'll see you next time.